Get your official Adam Sank Show merchandise at adamsank.com. T-shirts, tank tops, mugs, masks, just about everything you can think of emblazoned with the Adam Sank Show logo. Go to adamsank.com to order your merch today. Thank you. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. And now, the one, the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. 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 Welcome to the Adam Sang Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, October 10th, 2020, at dnrstudios.com, the only place you can hear this podcast live and throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen anywhere else, please leave me your ratings and reviews on the audio platform that you use. Email me, me, at adam at adamsang.com. Like the Facebook page, download the comedy albums, and get your official ass merch T-shirts, tank tops, even a soup ladle. The link to all that is at adamsank.com. No matter else what you, no matter else what you do, what? No matter what else you do, answer the census and register to vote. The websites for that are vote.org and 2020census.gov. And cast your vote as soon as you can. Many of you are already voting, and you better be voting blue, motherfuckers. I'm telling you, uh, our guest today is uh, a fabulous comedian whom I have known and loved for many years. For some reason, have not had her on the show until now. Her name is Bernadette Polly. She'll be joining us a little bit later. But first, it is my pleasure to welcome back the King of Pigs, Ryan Frostig. Hello. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Welcome to another ass. Another day, another ass. It's getting uh, crisp out there. It's it sure is. Really starting to feel like fall. Fall feelings. This, uh, this year is finally starting to come to an end. Thank the Lord. <laughs> it has been a doozy. Can you imagine the 2020 miniseries that, that young people are going to watch someday and be like, what the Girl, fuck? The history books will be, um, be a, the, this section will be a little bit more... Uh, Lengthy. Yeah. Girthy. Girthy. Even. Mm. Also with us is our producer, the queen of fuckery, J.B. Bursey. Hi, welcome back. Good J- to be back. J.B., your beard is getting kind of wild and woolly, I notice. I know, mostly because I don't, I, my beard brush it broke, so I'll have to get a new beard brush. <laughs> okay, I mean, Amazon.com. No, you're right. J.B., I loved your um, um, phone sex operator voice. Hello. Welcome back. <laughs> Pretend that you're a hey. phone sex operator. You're a woman who's trying to get me off. Go ahead. <laughs> Do it. Hi. What's your name? Hi. My name is Lucy Lou. Oh, Lucy. Uh, what are you going to do for me? Uh, I'm just going to sit here and play with the penis. Oh, yeah. I said, I, I, I put it in my mouth. I do this sucky sucky. Yes. Why, why are you doing like a stereotypical Uh-oh. offensive yeah. Asian voice now? Anyway, JB is canceled. Canceled. <laughs> that was a that was a good attempt at uh, a little improvised bit, but it failed. Um, anyway, uh, let me ask you guys a question. What would you say? And for you guys, this is really like asking, "What's your favorite childhood movie?" For me, it's like, "Yeah, what's my favorite movie from when I was in my twenties?" But what's your favorite '90s movie? So I thought about this, and I thought about that point of like, what movies did I enjoy when I was a child in the '90s versus when I look looking back, back now? And I know that you're not a fan of this movie, but I would have to go with The Birdcage. Okay, because that really like. There's so much '90s in it. Just the the style, the, the 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 jokes. It just feels very of that moment. When so that movie came out '96. Uh, so you were three. I was five. And you watched it as a no. I, I watched it when I was right before I came out. Uh-huh. Um, but it was a film from the '90s. Did it I, make I, you feel good about being gay? Absolutely. Yeah. It was my. It was one of my first introductions to like sort of gay culture. Um, and it was a, it was a, a favorite film of my, of my mom. So like she, she introduced it to me. Therefore it made me feel like she was okay with me being gay, you right. know, cause it was something that she wanted me to see. What was, what did you say your favorite nineties uh, movie is JB? Um, okay. It'll be like 
The Land Before Time. Oh yeah, <laughs> got the Power Rangers movie, and my it was like this movie about a toaster and some inanimate object. Oh oh oh, little, um, I think the little toaster or something. Yeah um yeah. What? Oh, fuck, what's it called? A um, toaster. The little toaster that not the little toaster that could. Um, <sighs> Yes, I know what you're talking about. Is this an animated movie? Yes, yes. yes. Um, I also uh, was it like Pixar? Um, no, no, no. no. It was like um, like claymation, kind of. No, not claim. It wasn't claymation. The Brave Little Toaster. The Brave Little Toaster. And this was a full length feature film. Yeah, I mean, ninety minutes or less. Um, one more. uh, 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 Space Jam. Okay, and yes, then that was a movie jail. as a child of the '90s with that I really. I believe I can fly. Yeah, Michael Jordan. I never even watched that, but I wow. was aware of it. Yeah, you know, it was a basketball movie for yeah. kids. I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, I loved that movie. But um, well, the reason I asked this is because I'm not. Well, what gonna, is yours? Uh, well, I'm going to have to say, I actually had an, an answer for this. I'm going to say Clueless. Uh, oh yeah. Oh God, that's a great one. Clueless came out in '95. Mm. I was 24. I uh, had just moved to New York, and I just started dating this guy named John Hyro. And it was, I think, one of our first dates. We, we, he lived in New Jersey, and we went out to a theater in New Brunswick and saw it. We didn't know anything about it. It was just like this new movie. Mm-hmm. And it was such a surprise because we thought it was just going to be some dumb teenage movie. And it was so smart and yeah. so funny. And I think it's really held up. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Clueless was, I can't say the word, was was way more sophisticated than it needed to be. Anyway, um, the reason I ask is because here's a story that I meant to do back in April during the shutdown when I was doing podcasts from my apartment. And I I may have done it. I'm sorry if (laughs) listeners have already heard this before, but it's on my list as not having been done. So here we go. Queer T's list of 13 cheesy queer comedies from the 90s to make you smile. Oh, this will be fun. Again, this is from April. (laughs) And uh, they have a pretty wide definition of a queer comedy. Like, Clueless is on their list. Hmm. Not really a queer comedy, but it does have a gay character. Yeah. Which was somewhat unusual in in a 95 teenage movie. Anyway, the first one on the list is The Object of My Affection, 1998 with Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd. I need to say that the book on which this is based is one of my favorite all-time books. If you want a delightful read, Hmm. read The Object of My Affection. The movie is a stinking piece of shit. It's so bad, despite having an incredible cast that includes Allison Janney and Alan Alda. Oh, my God. It's about a gay guy and a straight woman, and they live together. It's a very Will and Grace type of relationship, even though this predates Will and Grace. Yeah. And then she gets pregnant, and it sort of sends their lives into turmoil. It's one of those <clears throat> '90s things where it's too much about the woman and not enough about the gay guy. <laughs> right. The book is more evenly divided, but uh, the movie—it's really Jennifer Aniston's movie, so um, it's just bad. But what I remember about this is I remember watching it in a theater, and anytime two gay men in the movie like kissed or touched each other. There was a woman in the theater who was like, come on, this is gross. Come on. She kept yelling at the screen and I stood up and turned around and said, if you have a problem with gay shit, you're in the wrong fucking movie. Fuck yeah. And then she stopped. Love it. It's the one time in my life that I was brave. Work. Uh, 1997, in and out. Oh, Kevin Klein stars as a closeted high school drama teacher who's outed by a Hollywood actor played by Matt Dillon when he thanks him during an award acceptance speech. This was based on a real thing. Yeah. What was the- when Tom Hanks won the Oscar for Philadelphia? He was like, I want to thank my openly gay drama teacher from high school, Mr. So-and-so. And the guy was like, not openly gay. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, damn. So I, this is another movie that a lot of people love and I absolutely despise. Mm. I love Joan Cusack. She's great in it. I love Kevin Klein. I don't like Paul Rudnick movies. Yeah. I don't like his style of there, – there's an absurdity to it that it's, I'm always aware that I'm watching something that's not real. I can never connect with it. The humor to me is really basic. Yeah. But people love In-N-Out. Uh, 1994, this is a movie I loved. Threesome. Ooh, I haven't seen that. Oof. Laura Flynn Boyle, Josh Charles, and Stephen Baldwin. Wow. Josh Charles is a closeted gay college student, and he befriends Laura Flynn Boyle and Stephen Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin at the peak of hotness. 
Oh, wait. You can't even believe how hot he is. Maybe I have seen that movie. And he becomes obsessed with Stephen Baldwin, but he's into Lara Flynn Boyle. And I won't tell you what happens, but it's, to me at the time, as a 23-year-old, I thought it was so erotic. Mm. And, oh, Stephen Baldwin. Okay, 1997, Spice World. Yes! Oh, my God. That, okay. Now I'm like, I'm, I've missed all these films. That was also a very, very important film for me in the 90s. I saw it in theaters. I saw it in theaters too. And I was always wanting to be Sporty Spice when we played when we played Spice Girls because you know I was a guy. Yes. I had to like sports, but uh, she was so butch. That is so good, and she's the best vocalist in the whole group. Yes, I agree. Anyway, um, so that's 1997. So obviously, starring the Spice Girls, Alan Alan um, Alan Cumming. Yes, no Cumming. Oh wait, it is one. <laughs> God damn it. Uh-oh. I just was trying to do a coming sound effect. My board's dead. I give up. Uh, okay. The next one is a movie that I just saw for the first time the night before last. Because I oh. saw it on this list, and I thought, everyone talks about this movie, and I've never oh, seen it. It's The Age, excuse me, The Edge of 17 from 1998. Oh. Do you guys ever watch Edge of 17? No. This is a, um, a t- uh, sort of a gay teenage uh, coming-of-age story set in Sandusky, Ohio. It follows Eric, a naive 17-year-old teenager, figuring out his identity. The movie's from 98. It's set in 1984. Oh. So all of the, the clothing and the uh, music and ev- the technology, everything is very 80s, which was kind of fun. Leah Delaria is in it. She's the mm. only famous person that you would recognize in the movie. It's interesting. If I'm being honest, I, was kind of, I found it kind of slow. Okay. Uh, it's very low budget. It looks like it, it, it's kind of shot on this very grainy, out of focus, you know, 90s. A lot of mm-hmm. 90s independent films have this look to them. Yeah. They're, they're shot very cheaply before digital video was right. available. Um, and it's not great. However, there are some really emotionally charged scenes where two characters will be having a conversation and then they'll just both stop talking and stare at each other and the camera will stay on them for like another minute. And you're like, this is uncomfortable. But after a while, it starts to become very affecting because it's almost like you're watching a documentary. Like they just will stare at each other or two characters will hug and the hug will go on for so long. And you're used to, you know, we're, especially nowadays, movies have such a quick pace to them. It's like cut, 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 cut. You know, something happens, you move on to the next scene. This movie really takes its time. And in some ways, that makes it very affecting. Also, the longest, most sensual gay sex scenes I've ever seen outside oh of a porno. God. I mean, Good guys licking each other's nipples, guys Ooh. grabbing each other's asses, mm. hands caressing, and they go on and on. There's a gay sex scene that probably goes on for 10 minutes. Okay. And in most movies, gay or straight, unless it's a porno, it's like, boom, it's over in a few seconds. Right. So- uh, You see a little cheek. There's a lot of- um, And then it's over. It's not that there's so much nudity, it's that there's so much sex and it's very sensual. Got it. So that was good. Next one, probably my favorite gay movie from the 90s, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Deserts. Oh, yes. Saw it when I was living in Atlanta Mm. in in 94. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, really, um, the I think the inspiration for To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, which came out a year later. Uh, Is Pris- that on the list? Yes. Yeah. Priscilla follows two drag performers and a trans woman as they embark on a journey across the Australian outback. If, you, if anyone out there hasn't seen it. it it's a must. It's a really wonderful film. Yeah. And my favorite performance in the film is that of Terrence Stamp, who plays trans woman Bernadette. Mm-hmm. He plays, I mean, I know that nowadays we would never have a, a, a cis male playing a trans woman, but he really gives such a, a tender, yeah. affecting performance. Take a listen to this scene. No! You can't have, you can't have nothing. We've got nothing here for people like you. Nothing. Now listen here, you mullet. Why don't you just light your tampon and blow your box apart? Because it's the only bang you're ever gonna get, sweetheart. (laughs) 
she's so good. So good. He's so good. He brings such dignity to it. And uh, what I've read about that film is that in the making of the film, the director never let Terrence Stamp see the dailies. He just kept telling him, you look so beautiful. You look like such a beautiful woman. And when he finally saw them, he was horrified oh my God. at how rough he looks. But he said he's glad because he still played it as if he felt like a beautiful woman. Yeah. And never, you know, and, and, and acted uh, accordingly. Um, next up is Clueless, which we already talked about. Jeffrey also came out uh, in 1995. I love that movie. Do you like it? Yeah. Great cast. Yeah. Olympia Dukakis, Nathan Lane, Cameron Mannheim, Sigourney Weaver, and Christine Baranski. Mm-hmm. I need to watch that again. Yeah. It's a really, that, I remember, I remember watching that when I first discovered Logo, uh, it, I remember watching it uh, there and just, yeah, it, it really touched, touched me. 1998 is a movie I've never seen the whole thing, and I have a lot of friends who love this movie. The Opposite of Sex with Christina Ricci and Lisa Kudrow. Um, mm. It's about a pregnant, oversexed teenager, played by Ricci, who chain-smokes cigarettes, steals dead people's ashes, and sleeps with her brother's boyfriend. Hot. Queer T says not all the jokes have aged well, but the film still tackles issues that a lot of Hollywood still wouldn't touch back then, including uh, HIV AIDS and the idea of sexual fluidity. 1999, Cruel Intentions. Mm. Ryan Phillippe, oh, his naked yes. ass. Reese Witherspoon, Selma Blair. Sarah Michelle Gellar? Yes. Yeah. A very a very mean film. Yeah. Very mean-spirited. Yeah. It's dark, but it's... Um, Sick and twisted, but we love it. Kind of delightful. Yeah. And sexy. Uh, I think I do. 1997. I don't know this. Mm-mm. Two college roommates meet up five years later at their former housemate's straight wedding. Sparks fly as the ex-roommates try to navigate their new romance with this screwball comedy starring Alexis Arquette, oh. the late, great Alexis Arquette, Guillermo yeah. Diaz, and Tuck Watkins, who we were just talking about from Boys in the Band. I think I have seen that. It sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. 1995, again, to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar with Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze, John Leguizamo. I recently rewatched this. I do not care for it. Oh. I think the first 20 or 30 minutes are okay. And then once yeah. they, get, they get shipwrecked in that like backward ass town, yeah. it just, it's unwatchable. Right. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I just. Uh, the beginning of the film, right? Was, that's where like Coco Peru and like all those people. Yes, make. and RuPaul, RuPaul. Play, plays Miss Rachel Tensions. Yes, yes, which is the funniest name ever. Name. Yeah, it's just bad. Yeah, I mean well, the three of them yeah. give good performances. It also is one of those movies that doesn't really make sense. Unlike Priscilla, where the the two uh, male characters are only in drag when they're performing or when they're having fun. Right. Otherwise, they're living as the men that they are. Yeah. These three are in drag 24-7. Yeah. But they're not trans women. They're just drag queens who never take off their drag. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Um, Birdcage, 1996, Ryan's favorite. Again, not a movie that I enjoy. I don't like Paul Rudnick's script. Um, Hank Azaria playing a, the He's Cuban. so funny. But such a racial stereotype. Yeah. So offensive doesn't, as Agador. Doesn't hold up, but it's, it's very funny. It's pretty bad. I, I hate that movie because I hate the way Nathan Lane plays that drag queen character. No drag queen has ever been that weak yeah. and fearful and skittish. Drag queens are fucking fierce. Well, not, not you can't, that's a generalization. I've never met a drag queen who acts like Nathan Lane in that movie, ever. Well, she's like, oh, Armand. Oh. She's playing like an like a like an older like oh. whatever. I don't know. I hate her. I love Robin Williams' yeah. uh, p- performance in that. It's one of my favorites. And of his. Um, Diane, oh Diane Weist, she's brilliant. Yeah, she's, she's always brilliant. I watch her read the phone book, but I don't like Birdcage. I know everyone else does. I'm sorry. Is that the what end? Can I tell you that is the end? Okay. So because you brought up, I, I know you, I know this is technically, I had to look it up. It's not technically from the nineties, but it's from 2001. So it's close enough. And you mentioned, um, Olympia Dukakis, and this is a film that you introduced to me and it has become one of my favorite films, oh. Kissing Jessica Stein, which yes. is 2001, but that is, that is such a great script. Kissing and, Jessica Stein is one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. Period. Period. If you haven't seen it, guys, it's like picture a Woody Allen movie 
except not made by Woody Allen yeah. and about a, a, a lesbian romance. That that movie is is so perfect uh, from start to finish. Very smart. Yeah. And Jennifer Westfeld is just, God, uh, do I wish that she, I wish that yeah. she had a huge career. Because did she write that too? She yeah. wrote it and started it. Yeah. Oh, and so she brilliant. was brilliant. And she's been nominated for a Tony. She's been on Broadway. And the other actress too. Yeah, whose name I can never remember. And Jackie Hoffman. Kissing Jessica and Jackie Hoffman steals the whole fucking movie. It's great. Okay, on to the news. We're going to start with something a little bit uh, concerning and surprising. A new study finds that gay, lesbian, and bisexual people are 58% more likely to report suffering from migraines than their straight counterparts. Mm. Have either of you ever had migraines? No, but um, Boy Wolf has migraines. He does. Mm Mm-hmm. My mom used to when she was young, uh, younger, and then she realized that there were certain foods that brought it on, and she stopped eating those foods, and they went away. Hmm. Um, for me, no. Like I get headaches, but not not migraines. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know what it it's even rare. feels like. A if migraine you've never is had one. yeah, it, it's definitely much more than a headache. I think there's a perce- there's some perception that it's like you know just like a, a bad headache. It's so much more than that. Yeah, it's like you blinding light, they yeah. say, and, and you just you feel sick and you can't move. Definitely. This study was carried out at the University of California, San Francisco. They looked at 10,000 adults, so it's a big study group, uh, between the ages of 31 to 42. The results were published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Neurology, which is my favorite journal. Um, th- this is obviously a surprise. Uh, the research didn't offer any reasons for the disparity, They speculate that it could be due to stress. It's already known that LGBTQ people are more likely to smoke and abuse drugs. This has often uh, linked them to facing greater challenges in life, um, as well as uh, the discrimination and stigma that we have to face. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to do with this study. It doesn't really help if if you, you know, it's like, (laughs) there's no takeaway. Like stop being gay and your migraines will go away. Stop being gay, everyone. Just stop it. Just stop it. If you don't want to get migraines, uh, you got to eat some puss. Go if back to a man it. and uh, suck some dick if you're a woman. Yeah, no, it's just, um, it's just one more piece of the, the genetic puzzle. Know. The more you know. But eating pussy gives me a migraine, though. <laughs> There's no scientific evidence of that, JB. Oh, my goodness. How dare you? Uh, here's a strange story out of the United Kingdom, where we have uh, a handful of listeners. A 49-year-old man has won a five-figure settlement following a lawsuit against a sperm bank. This is such a weird story. Yeah, I'm trying to understand the the headline. He donated to a sperm bank in 2010, um, but he requested at the time that whoever they give his sperm to it not be same-sex couples. He did not want any gay people raising the... Benefiting pro- from his... The, the product of his cum. Yes, his nut. Uh, his nut. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> uh, well... Wait, hold on a second. Okay, the couple... So it was given... The sperm was given to a same-sex couple. They ended up having three children together, all conceived through IVF, um, doctors at the clinic noted that Gaskell's sperm had superhuman strength Ooh. with unusually high motility, making super him sperm. the ideal donor. <laughs> super, super sperm. Uh, so the clinic, uh, okay, so here's what happens. So he donates once, they find out he has super sperm, then they want him to donate again, and they're like, we're going to give you um, uh, more money this time, but here's a caveat. Uh, he says, if I donate more, I don't want my sperm given to any gay couples. He said, he told the Daily Mail, I accept that some people will find this uncomfortable and they might think I'm homophobic or against the idea of single mothers, but that couldn't be further from the truth. This wasn't about discriminating against same-sex couples. It wasn't for religious reasons. And I don't accept that it's bigotry. I think about these families, these children every day. He went on to say, but you can't argue with biology. It takes a man and a woman to create a child, and it's my view that if children are being born with my sperm, then they must have a mother and a father. Um, He donated prior to the adoption of something called the Equality Act in England, which prohibits discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation. So uh, 
When gay couples approached the fertility uh, center about surrogacy, the clinic did not hesitate to offer Gaskell's donations. Ultimately, his sperm sired five children to three same-sex couples. So they all turned out going to gay families. Um, his sperm also conceived children of single mothers. Gaskell learned of the donations in 2016. I'm not sure how, how? that's yeah. even possible. Yeah, Because it's all anonymous, or it's supposed to be. He said, I was numb. Everything was a bit of a blur. I spent 14 years never expecting to be a father, and now I've got 16 kids. He claims the revelation destroyed his marriage. He and his former wife split after receiving the news. He launched the lawsuit, and somehow he won this lawsuit. It is the weirdest fucking story in the world. I hate this story. I hate everything about it. And I hate that he won. If you're a sperm donor, you shouldn't have any say. Zero. Because the whole point is that it's, and the fact that he was, that he somehow found out about it, it's like, that defeats the whole purpose. Yeah. This makes my head hurt, makes my heart It's giving you a migraine. Yeah. It's like, this is the purest of all fuckery. Slash pure fucker, slash white person privilege ever. You you start your statement say I'm not homophobic or anything, but I believe your whole statement was homophobic. Thank Everything you. came out your mouth was homophobic. You are a racist, homophobic piece of shit, and you should have won no money at all. The fuck you doing? Ruining these people's good homes and children out there who needs good homes. Like, it's, it's kind of you know it's it's a shame because he really does have super sperm. <sighs> Super sperm. Speaking of sperm, this is the most disturbing story of, of, of the year, perhaps. Police in Vietnam have seized, have seized a huge trove of used condoms that were sold as new. Vietnamese, How? Vietnamese police confiscated an estimated 345,000 used condoms, oh. which had been cleaned and resold as new. Footage broadcast by the state-owned Vietnam television this week showed dozens of large bags containing the used contraceptives scattered across the floor of a warehouse in the southern province of Binh Duong. Police said the bags weighed more than 794 pounds. That's 794 pounds of cum. Now, the owner of the warehouse said Thursday that they had received a monthly (laughs) input of used condoms from an unknown person. Now listen. One person? It's been a long time since I've used a condom. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that after they've been used, You're it's a little throw them away. It's a little difficult to re-roll them. I mean, the whole How thing you... is so baffling. A woman detained during the bus told police that the used prophylactics would be boiled in water, then dried and reshaped on a wooden phallus before being repackaged and resold. My God, these stories are just... I mean, we've covered a lot of fucked up shit. The woman said she received 17... The woman said she received 17 cents for every kilogram of recycled condoms produced. Neither she nor the owners of the warehouse were available for comment. What was Lady just chewing? You know what? I just realized there might be treats in here because we use this for... uh, Oh, Lady, did you discover treats? She probably did. So, yeah, that's uh, disturbing. Yeah. Fucked up shit. Also, 345,000 condoms from one person. Where was that person getting them from? How do you? You'd have to have thousands and thousands of people in on the scheme. I I, I have a migraine. If you had a thousand people (laughs) and they each had sex one one time every day, that would be like 340. I mean, I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> don't reuse condoms. Yeah. And if you're on prep, you don't need to use them at all. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, meanwhile, there's a show that I've never seen called Love Island. Yes. And I may have to start watching. Uh, Love Island is uh, one of these reality dating shows. It, it's the, the premise seems to be just like putting beautiful people together in, in, a, in a nice setting, like a tropical paradise, and then seeing how many ways that they fuck each other. That seems to be the... Pretty much. The this point is of Romaine's it. favorite show. Oh, it is? Yes. Was really? she, were they talking about this story? <laughs> I don't know if they're talking about this story. I just know this is her favorite show. Well, a 24-year-old contestant named Noah Purvis, <laughs> Purvis, mm-hmm. Purvis was kicked off the show uh, well into filming. He had already appeared on a number of episodes, and suddenly he just disappeared after it was discovered that he had made gay porn. Oh, my God. Uh, uh. 
He performed as Ethan, no last name, in a series of Corbin Fisher movies. If you just Google Ethan Corbin Fisher porn and click on your Google videos, you will uh, see him fucking. He seems to be a top. Uh, there's, there was no explanation given on the show. They literally just like, it, 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 it was like when they cut Sherry Pie out of RuPaul's Drag Race or when they cut um, that, uh, that D win off of uh, the challenge on MTV. They just disappear. Oh, uh, he's really cute. He's, he's, he's a little generic looking, but he's, you know, I wouldn't kick him out of bed. Mm-mm. Anyway, five days after he left the show, he shared his first post on social media in which he sort of addressed the controversy. He wrote, Ohana means family. I guess that's Hawaiian. That's family Lilo and Stitch. Oh. Mm-hmm. Family means no one gets left behind or forgotten, he wrote, seemingly quoting Disney's animated film Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. All of you out there have made me feel this, and I can't express how loved I feel for the first time in my life. He then hashtagged the following. Love, together, family, one, united, sad, sadness, feelings, people, news, come together, grateful, spelled wrong, emotion, story, story time, share, voice, it's time, change, inspiration, motivation, change is coming, leader, strong, speak up, voice, corruption, used, forgotten, bullied, equality. This was a, oh, these were the hashtags. These were the hashtags. That's pretty cryptic. Uh, on CBS's only statement on the matter, they said it has been brought to our attention that cast member Noah Purvis provided false information on his application to Love Island, which violates the contestant agreement. He's been removed from the show. Okay, so I have tons of questions. I'm really confused. One, uh, is he a straight guy who did gay pay, or like, or is he? Thank you for asking, JB. It is unclear how Purvis identifies <laughs> or what false information he supposedly gave CBS. But as com- commentators have pointed out, some straight men do gay porn because it pays better. Yeah, he could be bi, he could be fluid. Mm-hmm. Regardless, he's received a healthy amount of sex shaming and homophobic comments on Instagram, though many others were supportive and offered sympathies. Uh, I will say that I immediately reached out to him. Of course. On his Instagram. With some hole. And I said, uh, I didn't send him a hole pic, but I said, hey, Noah, um, we'd love to get you on your podcast to discuss your experiences um, being removed from Love Island. And another commenter was like, dude, that's not how you ask someone. Oh, my God. And I was like, how should I have asked him? And then someone else said, I thought it was the perfect way to ask him. Oh, the internet. Like, I, I don't understand what I did wrong. I, I wasn't like, hey, faggot, <laughs> want to come on my show and show us your hot dick? Oh, my goodness. Which I do kind of want to see. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but that's interesting. Uh, you know, this happened once before with MTV's The Real World. Mm, which, uh, uh, it was Vegas. Oh, okay. And I'll think of his name in a second. He's so crazy hot. And he was definitely straight, mm-hmm. but did a lot of gay sex uh, in his past. He was part of one of those fraternity house porn things where mm-hmm. they just are on the guys 24 seven and they all fuck each other. Yeah. And not that, not where that's really brutal, oh. but they had, there's this one genre or one company where it's like, it's almost like a porn reality show where they just have a bunch of guys living in a house oh, together yeah, yeah, yeah. and they follow them around for weeks as they like fuck each other. He mm-hmm. was one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's very straight identified. And as far as I know, has been only with women in his personal life. Um, I think his name is Keith. Anyway, but Any they didn't kick. They didn't all. kick him off. Huh? Oh. That's no reason to kick someone off the no. road. This was a dating show, so maybe there was a question like, "Has have you ever done porn?" And he said no. And then who knows? Well, why? Well, why does me doing porn have to do with anything? Oh my god, it's twelve forty three. Yeah, we gotta do. Oh commercial. shit! How did I get so behind? All right, uh, very quickly. One of the village people, Victor Willis, says that the song YMCA is not about gay sex. Sure, Jan. <laughs> and that's all we need to say about that. I say bullshit. Here's some of the lyrics. Young man, there's a place you can go. I said, young man, when you're short on your dough, you can stay there. I am sure you will find many ways to have a good time. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. Hey, they have everything for you men to enjoy. You can hang out with all the boys. That's gay. <laughs> that is gay. That is gay. Uh, Willis, who is straight, actually, he's, I think, the only straight member of the village people. He claims that, yes, 
the village people did write songs with gay content, but that was not one of them. I don't know why this is important to him in 2020. I don't know why we need to know one way or the other whether YMCA is about gay sex. But the most interesting part about this story is that Victor Willis, from 1978 to 1982, was married to Felicia Rashad. What? <laughs> who, was, who was then known as Felicia Ayers Allen, uh, famous for playing Claire Huxtable on The Cosby Show. That was his first wife. He's now married a second time to a lawyer and entertainment executive named Karen. Karen. God who is probably Karen. a Karen. Oh, shit. We have to do this story, too. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, oh, fuck. All right. I'm saving it for next time. It's too good. I want to spend some time on it. Yeah. All right, JB. Uh, I'm feeling hungry. Can you put on some delicious food music? Oh, yeah. I'm so hungry. Mm, me too. I'm looking for my copy and I can't find it. Yes, folks, we have a new sponsor to the ass today. But first, I need to make a confession. What's that, Adam? I love cereal. Oh my God, me too. I have loved cereal ever since I was a young child. I remember very vividly sitting in front of the TV with my father, one of the few things we used to do together, sharing a box of cereal with just our hands in the cereal box, eating it raw. We ate it raw, Ryan. You loved it raw even back then. I did, but then I grew up and I discovered that cereal is loaded with carbs and sugar and essentially has no nutritional value. It's garbage. Yeah. So I stopped eating it except for, you know, once in a blue moon, I'll have it like as a special treat, but it's not something I can eat on a regular basis until now. (gasps) Enter Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon makes a variety of delicious flavors that have, get ready for this, zero grams of sugar. 11 grams of protein and only three net grams of carbs per serving. Wow. Magic Spoon comes in four flavors, cocoa, frosted, blueberry, and fruity. And you know how I love fruity. (laughs) I have tried all four of these flavors. They are all delicious, but my favorite is the frosted. The frosted Magic Spoon makes me moist and not just from the soy milk. Here is actual video of me eating Magic Spoon. Oh, shit. Where's Cookie Monster? Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Once again, Magic Spoon, uh, they're so confident you're going to love your project, their product, that it comes with a 100% happiness guarantee. If you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Here's how you get it. Go to magicspoon.com slash ass. That's magicspoon.com slash ass. And then while you're on the site, use promo code ass, A-S-S, for free shipping. Go to magicspoon.com slash ask, grab a variety pack and try it today. Use promo code ass. Remember the website, magicspoon.com slash ass, promo code ass. That's two asses. Once again, Magic Spoon. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring the ass. It really is delicious. Thank you, Magic Spoon. And um, there's nothing I like more now than doing a big bong hit and eating a big bowl of Magic Spoon. Mm. Can't wait to go home. You should definitely try it. Sorry I got a little flustered there. I couldn't find my copy, and we didn't have the Cookie Monster sound effect. But now it's time for our guest segment. And joining us uh, today, this is a woman I love so much. She's making her debut appearance on The Ass. She's an old friend of mine, an award-winning comedian who's appeared on Netflix, Comedy Central, The TV Guide Channel, Fox, CNBC, VH1, and TBS. Here's a taste of the comedy stylings of Bernadette Pauly from Gotham Live. I gotta talk about a problem in this country that you're all aware of. We need to do something about it. This problem is teenage girls who want me to read their ass. (laughs) Right? You know what I'm talking about, pervy, don't you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You see them. You see them every day at the malls and outside the schools. I'm pink. Oh, yeah? Well, I'm juicy. And I'm cute. read your ass. I didn't go to school so I could read your ass. So I'm going to start my very own sweatpants line for me and my girlfriends. They're going to say, tired. (laughs) Sciatica. And my number one bestseller, this used to be higher. And joining us all the way from sunny Los Angeles, please give a warm-ass welcome to Bernadette Pauly. Oh, my God. 
The applause is so loud. I can't even hear Bernadette. Bernie, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me, you guys? Yes. Yes. How are you, my love? Hey, I just finished up my magic spoon. I have so much energy. I'm oh, good. I, I look like Angelina Jolie now. Oh, my well, you I'm so always, excited. You always did, let's be honest. Yeah, that's true, Adam. That's true, Adam. Checks in the mail. How are you? I'm good, baby. I miss you so much. How long have you been out there? When did you leave New York? An eternity. Does it matter? When you leave New York, you stop existing. I agree. Um, I've been out here. I've, it's gross. I've been out here eight years. Wow, has it been that long? Yes. Bernie used Isn't to be one awful? of my favorite headliners. Anytime I produced a show and I just needed the show to go out with a bang, yes. I would say, bring on Bernadette Pauly. And I can't do that anymore because she's, uh, well, she's doing the Hollywood thing. Well, no, um, all roads lead back to New York City. You know, well, New York is kind of like herpes. Once, once you've lived there long enough, it's in your blood forever. Mm, so, that's true. How long had you lived in New York before you made the move to L.A.? I moved to New York with my best friend uh, at 20 years old, and mm. I think I lived there for about 24 years. It's the, the most I've ever lived anywhere. That's a good amount of time. Yeah. She was a quintessential New It is a good New amount Yorker. of time. Bernie, since it's your first time on The Ass, give us your life story and leave nothing out. Oh, Jesus. Um, my life story. Start with birth. <laughs> uh, I was born in Revere, Massachusetts, land of very big hair mm-hmm. and guidos um, and guidettes, which is a good time. And let's see. Uh, my dad was a horse trainer at Suffolk Downs, and he was also a tout. My mother was a union steward uh, at the phone company, so I grew up in a few picket lines. Yeah. I then ended up going to Emerson College, learning how to speak properly and pretended that I fit in. I did a year abroad where I started studied some Marxism, which will come in handy now since we're about to um, tear it all down. Yeah, where, where, and, where abroad did you study? Uh, Franklin College, which is uh, a tiny little school for pretty much the 1% kids from all around the world. In what country? And that's where I learned uh, Switzerland. I'm uh, sorry, Lugano, uh, Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and let's see. Then uh, I graduated with my best friend, Christine Champagne, mm. and we moved to New York City. Um, and I waitressed. Then at a certain point, I became a cigar girl at Scores Gentlemen's Club. I love that. Uh, I was very rich back in the day. I bought my best friend a, uh, what were those watches everybody had? A swatch? There was a little, um, no, not a swatch. It was uh, for 10 seconds, they were super hot. They were $250. Like, I spent, I don't know. Like I, a Philippe Patek? No. Tech Philippe, one of the... <laughs> it's going to come to me. Oh, a Swiss Army watch when they came out in the silver. And this was from the money you made as a cigar girl at Scores? Yes, I would make tons of money. Um, now, how did you make a lot city. of money? You weren't, you weren't stripping, so did they tip I you? I wasn't, although look, looking back, I should have. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, would, so would, would the men tip you big when they bought cigars from you? Um, well, they were morons, obviously. You had a lot of your, you had your Wall Streeters, your politicians, um, some stars, that investment banker morons. I would sell fake Cohibas. I probably shouldn't say that, though. I hope, uh, if anybody is selling fake Cohibas to Wall Street guys, I wish you luck. <laughs> um, so I would purchase, I worked for a woman who had a concession there, and I would purchase my tray every night. It would have Tic Tacs and candy bars and cigars and cigarettes. And I also made, tons of money from the strippers. They would have men buy them candy and cigarettes, and then I would keep moron men um, busy while a stripper was with another client, yet keep other strippers away from him so she could get back to him and make money off of him. So they'd say, they'd hand me a $20 bill and say, please stay with this guy for 10 minutes and don't let anybody sit on his lap and uh, And just do whatever you have to do. Were you scantily clad yourself? Well, the first, uh, it's the lo- I think that's the longest job I've ever had, Adam, besides, um, besides stand-up comedy. Um, I wore the ugliest gold lame sequined outfit, like those horrible, horrible outfits they make the poor waitresses at casinos wear. Mm-hmm. I looked like a gladiator. It had a little ugly, sparkly skirt. So I didn't show any goods. Actually, we were never allowed to show goods, even if we wanted to, because... That was like the stripper's job. Right. Everybody had their own job and you mm, had stay to stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And then uh, a couple of years in, we got some ridiculous, like, top coat and bathing suit type. It was kind of like a little tuxedo, but instead of wearing pants, you wore, like, a little bathing suit bottom. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, yeah, there you go. And so uh, how would you keep them occupied when a stripper gave you money and said, go keep that guy busy? What would you, you couldn't like give him a lap dance or, you know, grab his joint or anything. So what would you do to, to occupy him for 20 minutes? Well, sometimes looking, looking back, it would have been easier to just grab their joint. Um, I, you know, would you like a cigar? Would you like a cigarette? Oh, how are you? Um, you know, the weather. Oh, how about that game? I'm not even into sports, but a bouncer would tell me, like, just use this, like, rote line with these people. Like, hey, how about those Cubs tonight? You know what I mean? So I would just act. I would just chat with them, and they would just think that you know you're chatting with them i would do whatever i would try to be funny i've never i've never been inside a a strip club is one of the few places i've never been inside one i have to imagine the guys are super lonely and just kind of happy to talk to any woman for any reason well to be honest with you um i was just slamming anyone who goes there but there there were some I believe that uh, a titty bar like that, which was a quote-unquote high-end gentleman's club, brings out people's true character, whether you're male or female, whether you're a client or a worker. And if you take someone to a strip club and you get them hammered, you will know who they really are as a human being, and people will surprise you. There are some very good people in the world and some very, very cruel, bad people. So I think some men would go because they're lonely, but I think... In that type of a gentleman's club, which is much more expensive than uh, some of the other little titty bars, yeah. I think I think it's a power game. And think about this. If you look at the light of the world today, there was also an older African-American gentleman, and he would go around shining shoes for 20 bucks a pop. Hmm. And he had kids he was putting through college. It you, sounds you know, like it was a good like place us. to make money. Well, it's a good... It was a good play. Yeah, I wish I could be doing it again, really. If anybody wants to hire an aging cigarette girl, please give me a call. (laughs) It was, but, you know, I mean, like everything else, it gets a little tired. Were your your parents curious curious as to the fact that you had a college degree and were working as a cigarette girl in in a titty bar? Well, they had no idea because they sacrificed their entire lives to give me that college degree. So my mom thought I worked, like, at a regular restaurant. And she would say to me the next day, so how was work last night, sweetheart? What did you have for dinner? And I would just say, oh, they, we had chicken and mashed potatoes. It was family meal. Everything was I, I never told my mother, but they must have known something was up because I'd always come home with presents and I was like <laughs> doing pretty well and stuff like that. But, wow. um, and you know what? It allowed me to do stand-up comedy six or seven nights a week. Sure. Because I would go in, I would work just 10 to 4 once or twice a week. The day shift. Or no, ten, or, or 10 p.m. to 4 a.m.? Yes. Oh, okay. Sometimes I'd work 8 to 4, but if I worked 10 to 4, I could squeeze in open mics and run over there. Now, you're married to another comedian, Al Ducharme. Did you meet him in the strip club? I did not meet Al in the strip club. I met him at the comic strip live, but one of my nights off, I took him to the strip club, mm. and he had no interest. He's not into strippers or strip clubs. That's probably a good sign. That's when you yes, know you married the guy. Yeah, I did marry one of the good ones. I could kill him half the time, but I did marry one of the good ones. I'm always in, interested in comedian couples. I, there, there are a few of you out there, and uh, I always think like it is it. It must be competitive, no matter how much you love and respect each other. When one of you gets an incredible gig, if the other one isn't doing something equally cool at that time, it must be tough. I have to be completely honest with you. We are not competitive amongst each other. I mean, because it's a doggy dog world. As you know, Adam, it's a terrible business full of awful human beings. 100%. So, and after we were a 9-11 hookup, by the way, we knew each other for a while. We hooked up, you know, after 9-11, what's going on in the world today, we've lost our parents. Like at this point in life, and even then, it's really about each other and survival. So as much as we could kill each other, if he, if he got a $20 million TV deal tomorrow, I would be thrilled and vice versa. However, you know, sometimes we get a little sick of each other and I'm like, turn your friggin' podcast down enough. I don't need to hear the intro music 17 times a day. 
right. and vice versa. You know, I'm sure I'm really annoying too with but, my rants and but such. You, but you get along. You don't. Uh, you don't. Because because the other thing I'm thinking is, uh, you're you know you're both like extroverts. You're both funny people who are who like to be. The, the, the life of the party. So what happens when two of those people get together? It, 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 is it like you're competing to talk or does one of you kind of hang back? Well, I'd say we take turns and also we're very different types of um, comedic personalities, whereas he's very likable and outlandish and silly like a Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love to just walk in and alienate everybody in the room whenever possible. So, you know, some people prefer me and some people prefer him. Some people like both. But we're kind of so different that we can do a give and take, I think. All right, Bernie. You know? in, the, in the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite at-home quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. Describe the worst gig you ever had. Oh, Jesus, there's so many. <laughs> the worst gig I ever... Oh, my God. I did a fundraiser in Palm Springs for um, one of the... Uh, a very well-known group that's escaping me, Children with Cancer. A charity. I get there. Uh, yes, a charity. It's very well-known. It's just um, for uh, a Hollywood celebrity put it together. Like Make-A-Wish? It wasn't Make-A-Wish. Uh, it's going to come to me. It's a charity that helps kids with cancer. We're in a giant, fancy hotel, hotel ballroom. Everybody's loaded uh, with money. They've paid enormous amounts of money for this fundraiser. It's an all-night catastrophe. The show's going long. They have a hacky Christian comic on before me. Ugh. Who get, ugh, They had a guy got on a pogo stick. They had these ridiculous people. It was just a never-ending night. There was a priest in the front row. Everybody's full of shit and a hypocrite. And then I went, oh, wait. And then the geniuses who put it together, I know their hearts were in the right place. They brought some of the children up on stage with their parents no. to, tell, to tell stories. Uh, my heart was breaking wide open. And then they said, and now, folks, it's time for comedy. <laughs> After you lined up a couple of 10-year-olds talking about their experience, it was, uh, but that's what happens when people just don't know. And it went on and on and on. And then it, when, it was, when it was time for me to go up, I basically just said, it just can't, I just had to follow somebody on a pogo stick, people. Like, it can't get worse. I just addressed the situation. What, what are you going to do? I wanted the... Did you do well? Um, there, I would say that there was 20% of the people, and it was, I think it was very Republican, I, I, I think. Um, 20% or 15% of the people in the crowd really appreciated me addressing the train wreck and the disaster that it was. And yes. I felt like that small percentage was really with me. And the rest of the people stared blankly, like, what is that? Why, why are we looking at that? You know, when they look at you like you're an animal in a zoo and they just can't figure you out? Yes. There was a lot of that. The, but at that point, I didn't care. But you're so right. The worst gigs I've ever had are when, the, when it's not produced properly, when, when the people who are staging the event do not understand uh, how special stand-up comedy is. It has to be handled very gently. You cannot have a comic go mm -hmm. up after a cancer patient. You can't have a comic, you know, follow, uh, uh, you know, something. It, th there's just so many variables. And that's why my favorite gigs are when mm -hmm. they actually let me plan it with them. When they say, well, do you think you should go up first or do you think this person should? I love that because if I don't have control over it, it's usually a shit show. Let me tell you, yours are some of the funnest, funnest, best gigs I've ever done in my oh, life. And I'm not just saying this because I am on ass. <laughs> when, people, when people say to me, what's your favorite comedy venue? I swear, I always say a bar called Therapy in Manhattan. Mm. Till, till this day, it was my favorite. And if they say, what's your favorite international venue? I always say the Stand Comedy Club in the UK. Because I yeah. love working at that particular. But your something about therapy it was when very magical went, we talk about this a lot on the show uh, you know therapy's gone now they, they couldn't survive so the uh, pandemic so uh, sad I'm, I'm so much sad news today that's yeah. that's the worst news today but I'm they were they were great Adam, shows 
you, I, I mean, you, you're such a good producer. You Thank really, you. really are. Like, and then your, your fundraisers in Jersey. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so much fun. Oh my God, where were we? Did we do like an Elks Lodge or some godforsaken? I've place? had you. I had you at the Summit Elks, and I had you at yes. the Short Hills Hilton. I honestly, I used Bernie all the time whenever I could because you're one of those comedians who it doesn't matter what kind of audience it is, they're going to love you. Like you just know how to connect. Oh, my God. They were so fun. I would just tell these people, I'd say, how are you in Elks Lodge? You're so much fun. We're having such good times. They were very sophisticated Elks. They were very much so. (laughs) So, okay, back to the quiz. Do you and Al make jokes while you're having sex? No, but I did literally. Well, no, I I did pull a leg muscle a little bit the other night. I know it's so hacky to talk about aging and pulling a leg, but I literally did. Well, the good news is you're still having strenuous sex together, and that's great. It's our only workout, really. We're, you know, what, what are you going to do? What would you say? And by the way, the listeners should know that Bernadette is extremely beautiful. Uh, what would you say are your most and least attractive physical features? My most and least attractive physical features. I've been told I have a nice, unstrong jawline, like a pit bull. So I guess, I, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> jawline My is least, best. Yes, it's, you know. Um, and, uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I have a little bit of a, um, muffin top lately. And let's be honest, it's a rosé top. It's, uh, there's some COVID wine happening and, um, yeah, there's a little punch that you know I have to stuff into my pants. I'll tell you what, I, the house. I think when you're naturally skinny, like you are, it's really easy to get a muffin top because if you just gain like two pounds, there you go. Muffin top. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, Adam, I think. I think it's less you noticeable are, when you're already bigger. You are so good for my ego right now. What do I need to do for you? It's true, though. <laughs> what, what? Okay, I'm going to give you an F. Mary Kill. This is, if you had never met Al, uh, this is a comedian edition. You have to fuck one of these men, marry another, and kill oh, the third. You're killing me, yeah. Your choices Who? are Dane Cook, Bill Burr, and Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Burned it at just hung Silence. up. Okay, well, okay, fuck Mary. So you've got to, um, then I would have to kill Dan Cook. That's a yes, no-brainer. obviously. Um, Mary, fuck. I'm not sure which one. Fuck Bill Burr or fuck Dave Chappelle or marry them. Um, I'd marry Chappelle and fuck Bill Burr. That is the correct answer. Although we would have also... It ac- is? Well, we would have also accepted fuck Dane Cook because he is kind of hot and kill Bill Burr because he's kind of a dick. Ha- have you worked with any of those guys? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, I've worked with Chappelle and I've worked with Burr. I have not worked directly with Dane. I've been around him like at the clubs here and, you know, been on the same show, but I've never really worked with them per se. Yeah. yeah. I, had, I had Dane crash a show I was doing in LA once. It was a gay show. It was an all gay show with an all gay <laughs> oh, audience. God. And it was like a midnight show. And he showed up and decided he wanted to do a 45-minute set and just walked the entire audience out. It, it, was, uh, it was excruciating. Yeah. I, yeah. Bernie, before we let you... You know what it is? Go ahead. Yeah. I'm just, I was just going to be a little bit of an asshole. Please. I just, uh, I, I, I'm just kind of old school with my roles, I guess. And I, just, I don't, I don't want to date a dude that's got more filler in their face than I do. That's just me. There you go. Uh, last question for, for you, Bernadette. Have you ever had a lesbian experience? Our, our lesbian listeners want to know. Um, I have uh, made, I've done uh, heavy makeout sessions, a little petting with women, heavy. but never gone all the way. That is the but, correct answer. Bernadette, Polly, I adore <laughs> you. It is great to hear your voice. I hope you'll come back on the show. How can people uh, follow you on the internet and know where you're, are you performing these days? What's, are you doing any virtual shit? Um, we have not, we've been extremely COVID conscious. We have not done any live shows. The numbers came back up and we are hitting the stage again, me and my husband in a couple of weeks, we will be in thousand Oaks at 14 cannons. And that will be our debut since March. Fabulous. I am at Bernie Polly on Twitter and I am, um, the Bernadette Polly on Instagram. That's P A U L E Y. 
Yes. Thank you so much, Bernie. I love you. Uh, Let's talk again soon. Everyone else, tune in next week to hear another brand new ass with our special guest, actor Drew Drogi, one of our favorites. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to order your ass merch at adam at adamsank.com. Follow me, me on Twitter and Instagram at adamsank. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Vote blue no matter who. No matter who. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye. 